When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Listen to Spurs Cast, episode 634. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will discuss the Spurs' season opening blowout of the Orlando Magic, Al Farouk Amino being waived, and Lonnie Walker IV not getting an extension. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. Colin, how have you been? I've been doing pretty good. How about yourself? I've been doing well. You know, the Spurs here, <laughs> they, they, they open up a big lead here. Uh, you know how I have my game tracker every season. And, you know, going into a season, I, I usually don't, you know, keep the, the leads by like, by like after like 20 points, I kind of delete those until they, it actually actually happens. Well, the Spurs did that on opening night. They ended up opening up a 25-point lead at most. Actually, <laughs> a 28, but, you know, my tracker go up to 25. And so, yeah, I mean, that was not very expected. I, 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 had, I thought that they had a good chance of beating Orlando because Orlando was missing a lot of players. You know, they're one of those teams that the Spurs should be favored against but wow the Spurs really um you know just t- tore the magic apart there so let's go ahead and really just um dive into this game Colin because this is the only game that has happened you and I are recording this on a uh, Thursday evening so that so the first game of the season did happen already so so let's go straight into that game um so yeah uh, the first topic is blood on opening night so the Spurs did trail by seven um twice early in the first quarter very early 
Uh, the Magic got off to a hot start. Then um, the Spurs took took the lead late in the first quarter, and they never looked back. Um, they went up by 15 right before halftime. Then, you know, as the game progressed, especially in the second half, they kind of just blew, blew the door open, and they ended up leading by as many as 28 points. It was such a, a big win for San Antonio that Coach Pop was actually able to get the young guys, you know, De- DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, all these young guys, they actually had, were the veterans now who actually got to rest at the fourth quarter. And it was uh, players like Josh Primo and um, Jock Landale ended up, you know, getting those those last few minutes there in the fourth quarter. So let's first discuss the offense. Um, the, score, the Spurs score 123 points on opening night in regulation. Uh, 51% of their shots came in the paint attempts, should I say. Uh, 31% of their attempts came from three. They made 43% of their three, so that's a very good number. And then 18% of their shots still came from mid-range, although it's, it's a little bit of a decrease from, from last season. Um, they outscored Orlando by 12 from the three-point line, and then they also outscored Orlando by 14 from the mid-range. Um, the Spurs accounted for 26 fast break points. They had 32 assists and just eight turnovers. So again, missing DeMar DeRozan. Rosen, Patty Mills, some of these players who are some of your lead ball handlers. Those players are now gone, but the Spurs still took care of the ball with a lot of different players, um, you know, racking up assists. And then I would note back to that three-point number, I looked up the data and 60% of the Spurs' threes were attempted wide open. So they did a great job of just kind of shifting the defense and, and moving the ball around. Uh, just some, some other notes that I made, I, I, I noted on offense uh, as, as the whole team, should we say, is I, like I said there, you know, good ball movement, really good about just keeping, even though, they, yes, they were in transition a lot by, by getting forcing turnovers, they did a good job of kind of reading the defense and really taking advantage of those like you know those two two on two on one or or, th- or three on three on one kind of fast break moments and getting you know open threes or, or or attempts at the rim especially in transition so what are your thoughts first of all as a team um, on offense in that in that first game yeah so obviously the pace is much quicker you know and I think that's something that people had wanted for quite a long time to see the Spurs play faster um, they were wondering if that was going to happen kind of when DeJounte was stepping up and DeMar got here his first season uh, but DeMar DeRozan is kind of a methodical, like slower player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but these guys really did play fast. And I think that gives you some benefits in a game like this, where you're supposed to win. Um, because you know, if the Spurs expected points per possession is higher than their opponents expected points per possession, the more possessions that you play, the less variance there's going to be. So the expected outcome is going to happen more frequently versus if you play like 80 possessions, there's more chance for like, oh, hey, this team is a bad offensive team, but they just so happen to hit three big shots and now their offensive rating is much higher than normal. So I think in a game like this where they are kind of favored and where they are a better offensive team, that pace is real, real good for them um, and the fact that it's going to kind of keep them ahead. Uh, in a, I know they have some hard games coming up, and I think that that offensive pace is going to be a little bit interesting to see there because that could be their bane. You know, if they have a hot first quarter, and the other team, you know, the Bucks a couple times, the Lakers, Denver, they they don't come out of the gate quite as hot. Well, the Spurs are going to give them the ball back quite a lot of times just because they're playing so fast, and so they're going to kind of allow that to regulate and return to the mean a little bit more. Um, so I'm I'm just interested, but I I do think that. You know, from a math perspective, that's the truth. But I do think from another perspective, the fact that they are so athletic and young and they are pushing it so much, I think that they might wear teams out, especially in the regular season where some teams, especially like playoff hopefuls, might just be like, OK, like what's what's really the worth of us matching pace with this team? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like I always come on this podcast and talk about how good Jacob Pertle is. But I do think one of the things that I found really interesting uh, especially in the first half, was just how much they used him as like a playmaking hub. Yep. You know, he'd be the mm-hmm. trailer, and whether it was at the top of the arc, the high post, the elbow, they'd kind of just pass him the ball, let um, 
the guards and wings run some actions and have him find the open man. And it was mm-hmm. actually working to, to great success. He had four assists in the first half, and he ended up with, I think, only five or so by the end of the game. But it was it was just very interesting to see. I was I was wondering if Pop was maybe a little bit mistaken, and you know he doesn't have Jokic on his team. It's still <laughs> Jakob Pertl. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was it was definitely a very interesting way to to see, especially because they don't. I don't think the Spurs have that one give the ball to this player, and he's going to go get a basket mm-hmm. for you like they did last year in DeMar DeRozan. So I think they're going to need to just kind of get really creative and run a whole bunch of sets. And I think having uh, Pirtle be kind of that playmaking hub, uh, not every time down the floor and maybe not even half the time down the floor, but I think it just kind of gives them a different look where they can get all of their athletic guys running actions off the ball. Uh, so that was kind of actually the most interesting thing to me in terms of the offense was that was maybe the more surprising thing that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and actually, Pirtle actually had seven assists on the night. So oh, he wow. actually, yeah, he almost got a triple double. We'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit here. And so I wanted to ask you this, um, and I think this is something interesting to note because you know, again, you don't want to look at um, you know one game sample sizes. But when I did just look at the pace, they they ended up having like I think like it was like ninety five possessions um, possessions per forty eight minutes, and that was like toward the bottom of all the teams that have played in one game at least. And but then when you go to so that's from the NBA.com's data. But then when you go to clean the glass, you do see that the Spurs were one of the top teams in frequency of possessions in, in, in the fast break and transition. You see that the Spurs were one of the teams that you know got out off of steals, and they were also one of the top teams in getting out off live rebounds. So I, I really feel like this is important uh, to note because um, I think that that traditional pace you know, stat may not line up with what we're seeing with the eye test because even the magic coach um uh, jamal mosley said you know after the game he said san antonio's pace was just basically like too quick for us we couldn't even get into our half court sets because they were just playing so fast and it was tough for the for the magic to, to get, kind of get some control so if, if the if the players and coaches are saying that and even you know cleaning the glasses data matches that do you think that maybe the pace stat the traditional from nba.com may be something we, we we still watch but maybe not put too too much um uh, emphasis on when we're talking about how quick uh, this team is going to play this year Sure, and, and I do think, you know, what the pace stat is capturing, you know, is how quickly are teams ending mm-hmm. possessions. You know, like how quickly are they taking a shot or having a turnover or whatever. You know, we think of the seven seconds or less suns. Mm-hmm. Um, but what pace doesn't really capture is, well, what if it took them 20 seconds to find a good shot, mm-hmm. but they were sprinting the entire 20 seconds? You know, I, w- I would say, like, the eye test is telling you that's a fast pace. You know, they're yes. playing mm-hmm. fast, but the pace, quote-unquote pace stat that we have traditionally would rate that as, as low, you know? And I think especially, like I said, with them not having that go-to score in the half court, they're probably going to have to do two or three or four actions sometimes to get mm-hmm. a good shot. But I think they're going to be able to um, do these actions at a quick pace uh, in terms of the the speed of movement. Um, And I think that that will kind of give the eye test appearance of a fast pace, even if it does take them, you know, 15 to 20 seconds to, like, get a good open shot in the half court. But then, of course, they're going to run so much that that does offset that a little bit. Um, And I do think that garbage time, uh, which the NBA... uh, Mm-hmm. site does include I, i'm gonna guess that that's gonna be a little bit more slower and methodical especially like when you have a huge lead you're not just gonna be running the score up yeah <laughs> um but i do i do think that that's a big part of it is that kind of their pace of movement is high even if their number of possessions isn't 
Okay, yeah. So again, that's something interesting to, to note, Sparsecast listeners, because again, when you just you gotta look at multiple um, different uh, data points and really find out which one matches the eye test. So I, I really, I think that right now the cleaning the glass one does match that a little bit more for the transition um, numbers. All right, so now Colin, let's talk about the defense last night um, in this game. Uh, Orlando shot just thirty one percent from three. I looked back at, at the um, how, what percentage of their threes were wide open. Fifty nine percent were wide open. So the Spurs were kind of on, on purposely letting them um, have open threes, but um, they, they only made forty one percent of their open threes. So so, so the San Antonio kind of knew that. This was a team that didn't have a lot of shooting on their team, so they kind of, um, you know, uh, pl- played that way as well. Um, just eight percent. They shot. They shot just eight percent from mid range. I think they were like one of twelve. And San Antonio did a good job there. I saw multiple possessions like Devin, Lonnie, uh, Dejounte were kind of contesting shots from from the Orlando players there in the mid range. Um, the Spurs' defense was very aggressive. Um, half of the Orlando turnovers, sixteen. Um, I mean, uh, eight of them, eight of the 16 were from steals from Spurs players. And DeJounte Murray ended up with four steals on the night and Devin Vassell with two steals. Um, just six fast break points for Orlando. So the Spurs did a great job in transition defense. And then something, just some observations since I noted, I just really feel like with not a lot of liabilities now on this team, uh, defensively, um, they, I feel like Pop can kind of experiment and do a lot of different uh, coverages. And so we saw, you know, in this game, it, right right off the bat in the first quarter, when the Spurs kind of got off to a slow start, Pop wanted to change the tempo and kind of make the, the players more physical. So he purposely put them in a, in a full court press, and that kind of got them back into the game. It, it changed the whole demeanor of the team. The players said that that made them way more active, got them a lot more energy, it got the the fans riled up. Um, we saw some, from from what I assume were like like blitzes on pick and rolls at times between Dejounte and Devin Vassell. They were very aggressive. It almost seems like the coaching staff is letting them do that on, on possessions there was a lot of switching because i mean they're almost all the same height you got Devin, you got lonnie you got Dejounte, you got Derek. you got like four players out there who are all around you know six six five to like six six kind of range so i really feel like there's like more i don't know how to say like flexibility defensively where this team can really do different things whether they want to play a more conservative approach of like that drop kind of pick and roll defense or they just want to you know blitz um teams they want to put pressure on you and and, and i feel like Devin has that freedom along with Dejounte to kind of just hound you know the, the ball handlers and, and you know try to make them turn the ball over at the half court or just lose the ball and and the and the, and the Magic guards even though yes they are inexperienced they really did have a tough time against Devin and Dejounte. What are your thoughts on the defense from what you saw? Yeah, I just that has to be so frustrating to play against. Um, it reminds me so uh, probably five six years ago I had a work buddy that I'd always play two K with and like two or three possessions a game he would just like take a charge at half court and he would get me with it every time. And it was so annoying. And that's, that's kind of what I, I feel like when I see that, you know, it's almost just like, I think that the mental aspect and the human aspect of just like, can I even just cross half court without it being difficult? Like, I do think that that wears on people too. And I think when you look at how does this Spurs team perform better than we would expect them to, I think if they're average on offense, which is a pretty high watermark for this team, I would say, actually, but mm-hmm. the, the fact that they can run so many different schemes on defense, because a lot of regular season basketball is about your own team. You know, teams aren't coming into the game going like, oh, well, the Spurs play four different schemes, so we need to be prepared tonight with mm-hmm. having Brooke Lopez and blah, blah, blah. Like, a lot of the times in the regular season, unless it's like a big, big game. Um, that might kind of be important for playoff matchups, teams are really focused on getting their own stuff right, their rotations, their sets, their defensive matchups. And if a team like the Spurs can successfully play off multiple coverages and be able to switch them in the middle of a game because one is working better than another, that's just something that teams aren't going to be prepared for. Uh, They might know about it, but it's not really something that they're going to key in on because that's not what the regular season is about. So I, I think that they can steal some wins against some 
actually pretty decent opponents if if that kind of thing comes to fruition um, and that their offense doesn't doesn't let them down. So I think that that kind of versatility on defense and the ability to just throw a whole bunch of different looks, you know, they can start the game like they did last night um, with maybe more of a traditional defensive style and then, a, oh, hey, that doesn't work. Well, we're just going to switch it up to pressure, you know, randomly in the middle of a quarter. Um, and I, I think I think that gives them a level of unscoutability during the regular season mm. and you know what's really interesting is the best teams in the nba now the 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 nba final caliber teams which the spurs are absolutely not but like one of the things that they really need to like cross into that threshold of contender is to have defensive versatility and it's one of the hardest things to get in the nba um the spurs are missing a whole lot of the other ingredients but but they do have that defensive versatility and i think that they we saw that last night when like you said they they kind of flipped the switch they tried a different scheme it just completely threw the magic off their offense i think that they can do that to good teams too um is it going to be enough to get wins over a 48 minute game is to be seen but i do think that they can actually throw some really good offensive teams off of their rhythm by just being able to switch up the scheme like that but yeah, I think just hounding hounding guards in the backcourt, literally, mm-hmm. and, and just making every single trip down the court hard. I think, kind of like what I was saying with the pace of play, I think that it can be easy for, you know, like the Lakers are coming into town, and the Lakers are going to be, or the Spurs might be playing the Lakers in L.A., wh- whichever it is, um, they're going to be favored, and they pro- they definitely should be, and they'll probably win that game. But one way that the Spurs win that game is if they do these annoying things that they're starting to do mm-hmm. for the other teams, like running every possession and uh, playing this defense that hounds people the second they cross half court. And and they're just like, yeah, the, the regular season doesn't matter enough for us to expend the kind of energy it would take to to to. to overcome this annoyance you know (laughs) we're just gonna like take it at 70 percent and let you have this game you just you want it that bad well you can have it you know and i will they win every game like that no but they can i think steal a couple which will be exciting to watch for for this fan base that had a lot of boring basketball in the past uh (laughs) five years nfl fans hungry for a big win this week DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl has you covered New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Yeah, and so that was kind of something I asked Derek White about. You know, I kind of asked, you know, are you all being a little bit more aggressive now or just kind of changing your approach? And he said and he said exactly what you said. He basically said, we don't want teams to know what we're going to do on defense. We want to switch things up in the middle of a game, like constantly on them. Because like, like I said, they cover just in, in one quarter, they'll change like like three or four different defensive set looks, especially when they have the, those more flexible lineups like Lonnie, Devin, and, and DeJounte up in the backcourt. Like that, that's a group there that can kind of just, you know, do a lot of different, has a lot of versatility and flexibility defensively. Um, so, so again, I think that's something to watch. Um, something though to, to do that though is you got to have the energy level. Now these are all young players, but we got to see though can they put provide this you know for an eighty two game season? That's going to be very tough to play at that kind of level um, every night. So again. Uh, you know, right now all the all the trends are, in, and especially even in the preseason, that this team does look very good defensively. Um, you know, we'll see again. Can they make become a top ten defense? If they can, well, then they're going to be there as, as one of the, as you know, it, they're going to definitely pass their, their 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 Vegas over under if they can actually become a top ten defense again. It's one game. We'll see what happens. But right now, this team does look like they're on the right path there, and it's going to be very interesting because I really feel like even Pop has more like like I said, more flexibility, more more experimentation that he can that he can try out on defense uh, with with this young group with a lot of like you know wing wing type players so now let's let's talk about a few um of the individual players i'm going to ma- mainly mention the seven players who all ended up in double figures here uh devin vassell 19 points um leading score on the team five assists two steals three made threes um and 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 here's what i want to really reference is is watch how, how all the players that they're they're scoring came in different quarters because that's going to be notable here um devin's um eight of his 19 points came in the third quarter Lonnie Walker the fourth, 17 points, six rebounds, one block, three made threes as well. All uh, the majority of his points, seven points, seven of his 17 points came in the fourth quarter. Derek White, 16 points, four assists, three made threes. Seven of his points come in the third quarter. Keldon Johnson, 15 points. Seven of his points come in the second quarter. DeJounte Murray, 15 points, eight assists, six rebounds, four steals. Six of his points come in the first quarter. Doug McDermott, 12 points, two made threes. Six of his points also come in the first quarter. And then Yaka Pertle almost got a triple-double here. 12 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists. And again, six of his points come in the third quarter. So so the, the key thing there, Colin, is that... You know, this is a team that that has has lost that twenty point um you know per game score in Demar Derozan or you know Lamarcus Aldridge used to be here and all the years with Tim Tony and Manu and all those kind of players and so now it's got to kind of be scoring by committee. They don't really have that go to score, but you see how in, in this one game it was a really good example of how you know one quarter it's Dejounte carrying them and then another quarter it's Lonnie and another quarter it's Keldon. So so what are your thoughts there on just kind of some of the stats that they put up and and you know they're, they're scoring as as a committee or like as a group. Yeah, so th- this is where I have a lot more concern for this team. And it's hard to kind of talk about why it's a concern mm-hmm. immediately after a game that they won by so much, you know? Mm-hmm. But and we, we've seen this kind of ensemble offense work in the NBA, but the, the, the offensive talent was so much higher. You know, like the Jazz last season, ensemble, kind of everyone has a part in the pie. But, like, if you take any four of the jazz best offensive player and put them on the spurs like that would probably be the spurs best offensive player you know it's just it's it's really difficult because against a team like the magic they were able to to do this but if if any one of those players has an off night like you're just expecting so many contributions from kind of so many different places which is going to work sometimes when it works it's going to be very exciting and it's going to you know, look like what it did last night, you know, but you just listed seven players. Mm-hmm. And if two of those players have off nights, what does last night look like instead? Or what if, you know, they go into uh, Milwaukee, you know, and they have uh, Drew Holiday if he's back then and Chris Middleton and Giannis. And now some of these players who, who really got hot, well, they have answers for them on the defensive end of the floor. And so instead of seven players going off, only yep. four do. Like what what happens then? I, I just think 
Like, it is very fun to watch this style. It's kind of reminiscent of the beautiful game Spurs, which I know people in San Antonio love. But each of those individual players had the ability to kind of you give them the ball and they will go make something. And they played within a system, but they could also create on their own if they needed to. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm, you know, like DeMar DeRozan has his warts, especially on the defensive end. Um, but he was a, an offensive or an efficient offensive player, kind of no matter what his three-point shot was, no matter what anything else was, and he could make his own shot. And that just, games like last night will be fun, and there will be some of them throughout the season, but I, I would not expect them to be yeah. the norm. And I would be happy to be wrong because it was a fun style after, like I said, not having a fun style of basketball to watch for a while. And I would I would rather watch fun basketball every night, but um I, I I am doubtful that that is a every night or even every other night occurrence. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And again, like we said, you know, it's just one game. Um, this is kind of what they've talked about, though. This is kind of what the players have been saying in Coach Pop, too. They want to kind of have like that group kind of scoring effort. They don't want to have just one individual score be the go-to guy. But like you said, when they play the really taught, the really good teams, the, the really elite defenses, like you, you did a great, you know, just explaining that right there. You know, they're going to take out their primary options and who's going to take over the scoring mantle. You know, then so again, we'll kind of see. It's it's only been one game, but but for for now, in this one game, they they look they looked really good. They had seven players score double figures. And then this is the last question I have here. Do you think there's anything to read into um, uh, Pop's rotation in these last uh, two games? So when I mean when I mean last two games is that when we go back to that final preseason game, um, uh, I think it was against Houston. The Spurs um, actually uh, Coach Pop didn't play Bryn Forbes in the first quarter. And then in this opening season game against Orlando, he didn't he didn't play him in the first quarter at all. Uh, same thing. Then in the second quarter, Brent started the quarter and he and he got some time against Houston. And then against the Magic, he got six minutes. And then from then on, uh, last night we're just going back to last night. Now he never played the rest of the game. So he so he kind of kept Brent Forbes out of the rotation. And then in the second half of this game against the Magic, he actually brought in Kata Bates' job to have more of like a three four kind of player there, especially more defensively oriented uh, uh, kind of big. Uh, kind of st- stretch player. Um, so, w- was there anything to read into that, or do you think it was just a ma- uh, like a matchup thing where he wanted more defense on the floor? I think that it's going to be. It's interesting because normally you'll have like a platoon system at one position, right? Like, so you're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we don't have a starting level small forward, but we have like three uh, slightly above average small forward. So we're gonna like kind of swap them in and out when the time comes. And and the way that they're handling this is almost like a platoon at the end of the rotation, which is incredibly weird uh, and not something that seems very typical. You know, there's usually this thing in the NBA where an NBA team will have their like rotation guys. And then the other ones are like break glass in case of emergency. If a game's just going off the rails, if there's an mm-hmm. injury, garbage time, all of that kind of stuff. But pop is almost kind of, showing that the last one or two guys at the end of the rotation are kind of subable. Uh, they can be swapped with the guys right that missed that rotation cut, right? So like at one game, Bryn is going to be in the rotation for the first half, but in the second half, uh, Bates Diop is going to be in the rotation. And I think we're going to talk about another player here in Thad Young, who I think that might be similar with, where they're going to like that end of the rotation is very fluid, which... If that's the case, I know that that dispels a lot of fears that people had when the Spurs signed Bryn. You know, like, what mm-hmm. kind of usage is he going to get? I think that if he is one of the last players in your rotation and he's not even in the rotation in every half, I think that people are probably a lot happier with that signing than him being your sixth man or something. But I, I think that it's just kind of a 
the end of their rotation is very plug and play. And I'd be interested yeah. to see if that becomes more solid as the year goes on or if that's by design and it's just something that they want to continue doing all season long. Uh, but it, it does seem like one of the themes of this season is we are going to give opponents a bunch of different looks on defense, a bunch of different looks on offense. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is just bring different players in on defense and different players in on offense. Like the Spurs are going to be in some ways an unscoutable team because I think they're just going to be able to do so many different things. Um, how many of those things are they going to be able to do at a high level is to be seen. But I, I think that's just another one of those things, you know, that some games will be Bryn and maybe even Bryn will be, will be the sixth man in some games, but uh, in some halves, he's just not going to play entirely. And I think they have the luxury of doing that. And and I'd be interested to see, because th- this one is one where we really have to extrapolate just from a very small sample size. Exactly, yeah. But that would be my guess if I had to make one. Okay, so yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. And I kind of agree with you there. It's almost like a, like a plug-and-play kind of thing where Pop, Pop kind of feels like, you know, what, what, what's going to work right now? You know, I think he went a lot more defense in that second half, so that's why he probably went with, uh, with Kata Bates' job. Maybe if there's a game where he thinks that, you know, they, they need more shooting and maybe the young players aren't making their shots, then maybe he goes with Brent. So, so again, we'll kind of see what happens there with the rotation. And it's interesting to watch, especially because, you know, he continued to stagger DeJounte Murray and Derek White at the one, um, you know, uh, as the backups for each other, um, even with Trey Jones back in the lineup. But Trey Jones actually had a pretty good fourth quarter. He actually, you know, got a few buckets to go and, and ran the team well. So considering he had been on the injured list for all of preseason, so, so we'll kind of see what happens with the rotation there. All right, so now um, our last topic here, Colin. Let's just go through some quick um, notes and, uh, and roster updates because it has been a while since I recorded a Spurs cast. Um, I had recorded with Ben last week early in the week, so so there's been a, quite a bit of news here. Um, so first of all, the um, uh, on, on that that October 18th date that we had kept talking about finally came. Uh, it was on Monday, and the Spurs did end up waving Al Farouk Aminu. Um, it looks like they could not find a trade partner for him. It looks like they didn't agree to any kind of contract buyout. So, so they will have a $10.1 million cap hit for the remainder of the season for his contract. Um, there was no extension for Lonnie Walker the fourth. We kind of we had talked about this multiple times in the Spurs cast. We didn't think that that was going to happen. Um, so, so, so Lonnie can become a restricted free agent as long as the Spurs tender him a six point three million dollar qualifying offer this upcoming summer. According to Profit X, right now um, his 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 projection for a contract is at about fourteen point one million uh, with with the, with the team. So again, it's up, it's kind of up to Lonnie. It's in it's in his hands. Does he want to make that number go up by having a really good season, a breakout season, or is that number going to go down depending on on, on what um you know what he does coach pop was um basically said you know they're going to be depending on him this year off the bench with the scoring because this is a team he acknowledges is not a high-powered offense so they're going to he says Lonnie can score the ball and that's what he wants them to do off the bench that's kind of his role right now is to make sure that he's scoring the basketball for this team uh in the second unit and then um some other news the Spurs um cl- did claim um Devontae Kaycock off waivers and then they also converted him to a two-way contract so now the roster is officially full with 15 players on guarantee contracts and two players on two-way contracts and then lastly Thad Young did, um, you know, stay on the team. They they did they did not find a trade a trade um, for him, and they also didn't waive him. So now he's continued to stay on the team. Um, they have until February tenth to to trade him. Now that's the trade deadline for the NBA this year. Uh, he didn't play in the season opener, and that was a little interesting considering that he he played in like three or four preseason games. And so when Pop was asked about um, you know, him not playing after the game, he basically said, you know, everyone everybody doesn't play, uh, but he'll stay ready. So again, um, you know, I know that's a lot of information. You can talk about whichever, whichever those um those those notes and roster updates you you want. Yeah, so I, th- I think um, all of those are significant for the Spurs, but I think the two most interesting would be uh, Lonnie Walker not coming to the contract extension with the Spurs and Thad Young. And so on the contract extension, I I think it just makes sense. Like the Spurs might have been able to get him on a kind of good value contract for, for a handful of years. But I, I think 
that um, Walker is kind of at a time in his development where he he really does kind of need to show like okay what is my like my high level skill that's gonna like keep me on the floor for like years to come you know like like what is the skill that I have that a team is going to pay me fourteen million dollars a year? Uh, that's going to keep me on the floor for the next four years, you know, and there, there's like a handful of things that he's good at. And, and I wrote this in, in kind of the piece that dropped today. What's interesting is when he came into the league, everyone saw his athleticism and got very excited. And like that athletic player who can make shots for himself off the dribble is kind of now becoming Keldon Johnson. And that's kind of the player that a lot of people thought Lonnie Walker might be. And he's almost becoming like a three and D wing, which is really interesting. I saw someone today, uh, on the internet, compare him to Mikhail Bridges. Um, and I don't think anyone would have thought that type of player was who he was going to become when he came into the league. At least that's not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if the Spurs weren't going to sign him to an extension, I think they're they're doing him the best favor they can by giving him the opportunity that they are. You know, you talked about him running the bench. It really looks like they're making the bench the Walker and Vassell show. Yeah. And I, I mm-hmm. think that that is, that is fun. It'll be fun basketball, but I also think it gives both of those guys a chance to kind of spread their wings and see what they can be. Um, and, and that is both a blessing, but you know, it also means that if you, if you don't produce in that kind of environment, yep. then mm-hmm. things get a little bit tougher. So I, I think I, I, I would imagine if I had to make a bold prediction, <laughs> he's going to be back on the Spurs next year with a nice like three or four year contract in the you know mid tens, late late tens number. You know, I, I think that he's going to kind of produce at a exciting and acceptable level, and and that kind of fifteen to nineteen million dollars for three or four years or something like that is probably what he'll be on. I think with that, you know. It just seems like it makes so much sense for them to trade him. It seems so obvious that it's almost too obvious. <laughs> and I think teams know what Thad Young, who Thad Young is, and what his game is. You know, I know that the dunked on guys last year even had him as their six man of the year pick. So people know that Thad Young is talented, and he's probably going to get. You know, like we saw like over the past two years, I think both Ariza and um, Iguodala get traded for value at the trade deadline at not playing a single second. And I don't think that's going to be the Thad Young experience, but I do think that he's going to play just enough to kind of like stay in game shape and to like mm-hmm. show other teams like, hey, he's still performing at this level. But that that might be it, you know? Or maybe there is a game where they're like, oh, we need his presence tonight, you know, and he gets 20 minutes or 25 minutes or whatever. But, but I, I really do think that, you know, again... It's hard to, to extrapolate from a very small sample size, but I think that they're probably going to just kind of keep his trade value alive. And I think that is just from the comments that he's made and just kind of the way that the Spurs have been playing him. I think that's kind of a mutual uh, yeah. agreed upon thing. And I, I think that he will be gone by the trade deadline still. And they're just kind of trying to keep him fresh so that, you know, if he if he sustains an injury all of a sudden, you know, now he's. There, there's no way that a contender is going to pay out for him for a championship run. So I, I think that, that it's beneficial for both sides for him just to kind of stay in good enough game shape that he'll be ready to go on his next team if they do end up trading him, but not to have him be a heavy usage player and risk an injury. 
Yeah, so I want to make two comments here. So, so first of all, Lonnie, going back to him, I think that you know one of the reasons that one, one of the one, one reason why you could look for the Spurs not giving him extensions because look at the cap space next season. There's like nobody except the Spurs, the Pistons, and I think OKC. There's like there's like three teams that are going to have legit cap space. No one's going to all they're going to have the other teams are the, are the mid level exceptions. So I, I guarantee. So so if let's just say Lonnie has a really good season, they do want to bring him back. I think that they're going to tell him in restricted free agency, okay, go find an offer sheet that's better than the, than the um, mid level exception, which is only like you know ten million dollars. And I don't know if he's going to find that just because nobody has money next offseason. So that's going to be something where I think that it's going to kind of uh, help out the Spurs in terms of into the negotiations if Lonnie ends up you know breaking out and having a really good season. Um, so, so even if even if his projection is really high, I just don't know where he, where the cap space is, is at unless it's um like I said unless it's somebody like Detroit aside from San Antonio who has a lot of cap space themselves. So I think that that's that's one note on Lonnie. And then on Thad Young, um, I, I would watch again. I cont- I'm going to continue to keep an eye on those teams that have those those um those trade exceptions where where the Spurs can basically could just trade him into those exceptions and maybe get like a second round pick or first round pick kind of thing situation and, and watch those teams that are like playoff level teams that have those aspirations who kind of get off to a, stu- a tough start maybe they end up like like a, a game or two below 500 after like game 10 or 20 if that if that if those teams get there maybe they think oh we need a veteran player a, a player who can impact the team now uh um so maybe they, they, they start calling san antonio and then also another day to watch with that young is is that december 15th deadline um 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 December fifteenth date where where all those players that signed deals in the, in the off season where they can now be traded so again that's maybe something where again like if a team that had high expectations is not performing well by that point maybe that maybe they they start looking at moving one of the players they had recently signed in the summer and, and trying to add that young and then of course there's that February tenth deadline so again we'll kind of keep an eye on that young and the situation uh, with him and so uh, lastly before we before we close out this episode don't forget to visit projectspurs.com spurscast listeners um uh, Colin's latest piece which you referenced earlier was called analyzing the Spurs' breakout candidates Colin I, I read it this. Uh, uh, this morning, and I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how you said you're going to be kind of keeping an eye on, on these three players um, for for, um, for for you know each month of the season. Can you kind of talk to the to the listeners if they haven't read it, what it's about? Yeah, so so I was kind of thinking of like, okay, you know, at their age curves, Dejounte Murray and Derek White are both players, and Yaka Pertle, they're they're all players who can make improvements to their game, but but we kind of know what kind of players they're going to be mm-hmm. going forward. You know, we we kind of have. Um, how career arcs go, it's it's unlikely for a player to make like a huge leap at the point of their career that they're in. Um, but you have these three players who have potential and opportunity to make that jump. And I think that a lot of the Spurs season can depend on if these players do or don't make that jump in terms of like, do they end in the mid thirties? Do they end in the low thirties? Are they like a play in contender, you know? Um, and that's Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, and Keldon Johnson, who are all uh, young enough to have that leap, but they all have like enough trust from the organization to have the opportunity. Uh, and you know, Trey Jones is another guy I thought about for this, but he just we haven't seen him enough to know yeah. kind of like what his baseline is. Um, but you know, I think for me, I, I mentioned those three players, um, and the one that I'm actually the most excited about is Vassell because I, I went mm-hmm. back and I looked at his yep. college season. And um, his last college season when he kind of started breaking out. And and I was surprised at how frequently he got to the free throw line. You know, he, he likes to take that one dribble in and, and shoot, yeah. and he's not terribly efficient at it. And he wasn't in college either, but he was able to get to the line. And that kind of, like, saved his efficiency. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I think just as he gets more used to the NBA, he's going to be um, – getting just naturally better at three-point shooting. And if he can find a way to get to the line, that's like an incredibly efficient offensive player. So I, I think that all three of those players will take step forwards this season, but it's just a question of when. Um, and I've just been doing kind of a lot more 
uh, data science and, and analytics in my personal life. And so I was like, yeah. well, this can be a fun area where I can apply some of that um, analytics to and kind of check in, you know, have have something to like, OK, well, you know, this is who Lonnie Walker was last season. So 10 games into the season, is he looking like the same guy or is, is there flashes of something different there? And thought that would be kind of a, a fun way to keep up with the season. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to reading those pieces. So again, Spurs cast listeners, make sure you check those out whenever Colin starts writing them. His first piece is up, kind of introducing the concept uh, there on Project Spurs called Analyzing the Spurs' as Breakout Candidates. Uh, Steven, Steven Michael is back now with um, you know with the season officially starting um, he, with his analysis. Uh, the first one's called Going for Three, Spurs 123, Magic 97. This is Steven's way of kind of just, get, uh, you know, really really making more creative the, the, the way of like analyzing the game, um, each game uh, that the Spurs play in. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein is getting ready for the draft later on in the year uh, with, his, with one of his pieces called No Sleep Till Draft Day. Uh, even more sleepers for the Spurs. So, so Ben's, of course, you know, getting ready for the draft. You know, even though it's months away, he's continued to, to scout you know, different college prospects and keeping an, an eye on there. Because even though the Spurs look like they're off to a good start, if they do end up having a rough season, you know, they can end up uh, with a very good lottery pick this year. And then um, lastly, um, uh, this is from earlier in the week, but uh, I had a piece um, after the last game against the, the Rockets in the preseason where it was called Quotable. And it, it was basically where I asked DeJounte Murray about taking more threes. And I, I was really interested because he's when defenses go under on him on screens, he's actually taking those threes. And he even did this twice now. He missed them, but he actually did this twice in the opening night game against the Magic. And I asked DeJounte, are you ready to do that? And he basically said yes, that he's worked on it all offseason. He knows that's his, his main weakness where teams go under on him on those threes. So he wants to make sure – he says he's not going to be shy about taking them if, if they're there for him, if the, if, the, if the play allows it. So, so again, he, we'll, we'll see how he, he does with that pull-up three. And then lastly, I asked McDubb McDermott about the Spurs' interior defense and, and how they kind of have um, – you know, they, they kind of just like um, – swarm whenever whenever the ball goes inside and so he says yes that's definitely something they've been working on but he is a little concerned um again about the boards because they are they, they play he, he did mention how they're going to play small a lot of times and so if they're playing small they're, they're gonna that the rebounding can't be an issue for this team so so he made sure to, to note that when i had asked him about that so again that's over on product spurs as well thanks to colin for joining me here on the spurs cast and to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at product spurs stay safe and have a great day of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.